0: just want to share something not going to be very long this morning because I want us to go back into worship and prayer. Um, but Isaiah 56 is um, a they mentioned earlier on about the new wineskin and God resetting the church for this new era. And one of the things that we really feel is, Um, is going to be really core and real at the heart of Revive as we move into um, the new era that God has for the church is this idea of a house of prayer and becoming a house of prayer and having a house of prayer right at the heart of the church. And um, in Isaiah 56, God gives us a framework for a house of prayer. This is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand. There's that phrase again. It's close at hand. My righteousness will soon be revealed. He um, goes on to say in verse 3, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let, no, let not any eunuch complain. I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name and will not cut them off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, all who keep uh, the Sabbath Without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Can everyone say a house of prayer? Um, This passage, it starts off by um, talking about Uh, eunuchs and foreigners who would be people that would normally think of themselves as being excluded from the presence of God and being excluded from the house of God and yet what God says here is the eunuchs, the foreigners, those who naturally would think of themselves as being excluded these are the very ones who I am bringing in and forming into a house of prayer. What does that show us? That this is a movement of grace. A movement of grace. Does anyone else sometimes get guilty about their prayer life? Put your hand up. Put your hand up if you're lying. (laughs) Because who knows, we all do. It's the one thing that if you want to get Christians to feel guilty about, preach on prayer. Because we all feel guilty, we all feel convicted, uh, we all feel, uh, you know, I've met people that, you know, pray for three hours a day and they'll say, you know what, my prayer life is terrible. And I think, oh my goodness, you know, I'm on three minutes, you know, come on. Um, But this is a movement of grace. Grace. That God is saying to the eunuchs and the foreigners, that thing which you think would exclude you is the very thing that qualifies you to come into my presence because I want to show you my grace so that I will get all the glory. So when we talk about being a house of prayer and prayer being right at the heart of what we want to do as a church, it's not God uh, beating us over the head with a stick. It's not God condemning us. It's not God telling us how useless we are. It's God's grace gently stirring us and lifting us to a higher level. Amen. So this is, a, this is not legalism. This is not law. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, so many minutes or so many hours or so many meetings. This is the grace of God saying, you know what? I want to raise the water levels. I want to raise the spirit levels so that you can come into that higher place of prayer and devotion to God. Can you say amen? And verse 5, it says to them... Uh, to to the, the foreigners, the eunuchs, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. Can everyone say everlasting? Do you know, uh, we often think about God's name being everlasting. But God is here saying to those who are part of his house of prayer, I'm going to give you a legacy that is eternal. I'm gonna give you a legacy that is everlasting because here's the thing about prayer prayer is timeless. Do you know there are no there is no expiry date on prayer? When you pray, you are sowing seeds that are eternal. Do you know that right now you are living in the fruit of of yesterday's prayers but you know the prayer when we pray today we are sowing breakthrough into our future when we pray today we are sowing miracles into our future when we pray today we are we are sowing into an eternal legacy when we pray we are sowing seeds that maybe it will be our children or grandchildren that will reap the harvest but when we set our face to praying and seeking God we are sowing seeds of revival we are sowing seeds of harvest we are sowing seeds of evangelism we're sowing into what will take place a year from now 10 years from now 100 years from now if the law tarries if you ever think you know what I'm not seeing the answer to my prayer or you know I prayed for this and that but I've not got the breakthrough or you know we've been praying and going around the mountain praying for revival for decades let me tell you there is no expiry date to prayer some of you, right now, in the next 12 months, you are going to see an answer to something that you prayed a decade ago. Some of you, your grandchildren, are going to see the revival that you pray for today. Prayer is timeless, it's eternal. And then it talks about those that, that the characteristics of those that God makes into a house of prayer. He says, Those that bind themselves. To the Lord. This is the characteristic of those that become a heart of prayer, those who bind themselves to God. Other translations say those that join themselves to God. Um, it literally means those that become entwined, those that become one with Him. Who knows that what God is wanting us to, to become it's going to take more than just kind of making an outward confession of, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I've given my life to Jesus. Who knows that God is looking for people that will entwine themselves with Him. God is looking for people that will become one with Him. God is looking for people that will, that will yield and surrender to Him. It says, those that hold fast to my covenant... In other words, you know, I'm not just a a church member. I'm not just someone who comes to church once a week. I am someone that has entered into a covenant with the Lord my God. I literally have given Jesus everything. Can we say that together today in, in our hearts? Can we say, I belong to Jesus. Body, soul, mind, spirit. All that I am is His. I want to become one with God. I want to entwine myself with Jesus. I want to abide fully in Him. I'm a person of covenant. It says those that bind themselves to the Lord. Then it says to serve Him. To love the name of the Lord. And to worship Him. Everyone says serve Him. Um... That's probably a bad translation and other translations make it more accurate. It means this, those who minister unto him. Do you know the difference when we talk about, you know, when we say, oh, we want to be a house of prayer. What do we mean by that? What's different from that to a church? I would say the number one difference is this. A house of prayer makes ministry to him its number one goal. A church is about ministering to people. A church is about ministering to the lost. And we need all of that. But a house of prayer says we are here not primarily to get fed ourselves, but we are here to minister unto him. That's why I think that our meetings need to be less about us and more about him. Our worship needs to, you know, how how selfish we are as human beings that we even make worship about us. You know, in the original house of prayer, David would appoint people to minister unto the Lord 24-7. Do you know, sometimes there will be no people in the building and yet they would worship and adore and praise purely to the audience of one. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I didn't get anything out of the worship this morning. Well, excuse me, it wasn't for you. We're here to minister unto the Lord. I spoke last week about we've had a season in the church worldwide where God has been restoring our identity. God has been unveiling who we are in him. But I believe in this new era, God is unveiling Jesus like never before. It's time to talk less about ourselves, to sing less about ourselves, to to forget how blessed and how favoured and how chosen we are. There's a a time to confess and that's part of our thanksgiving, which is important because that takes us through the gates. But when we get there, it's time. Eyes off self, eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. And then it says this, These I will bring to my holy mountain. This is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Coming to the mountain of God and hearing that trumpet call saying, come on, it's time to come up the mountain. Anyone with me this morning? You know, you can stay at base camp if you want. Or or even those that came up the mountain, it says they observed the cloud, but Moses entered in. I don't want to be at the, the, the bottom of the mountain. I don't even want to just go up to the top and just watch Get around the presence of God. I want to enter fully into the presence and glory of God. Anyone with me? I want to ascend the hill of the Lord and come into all, all that he has for us. Hallelujah. These I will give joy in my house of prayer. My house, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Um, of course Jesus quoted this didn't he when he came to the temple and in the temple they were buying and selling goods in other words they made church what they could get out of it and Jesus of course took the whip cleared them all out and said it's a new wineskin as Anna was talking about my house is a house of prayer for all nations And here's what I want to suggest to us today, Revive. You know, as a leadership, we're we're looking actively um, for for a property that we can use primarily as a house of prayer. We want to do other stuff as well. We want to do evangelism there. We want to do church gatherings where we can just meet and hang out as a family. We want to train and equip people. But we want primarily a house of prayer for this region. But listen, that... Who is the temple? So who's the house of prayer? The house of prayer is not a building. The house of prayer is wherever we decide we're going to minister to him. So this morning we can have a house of prayer. And my prayer is this, God, I want to be a house of prayer. Anyone with me? I think that would be a good prayer to pray this morning. Why don't you put your your hand on your heart right now and say, God, make me a house of prayer. God, I want to be a place of prayer. I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be a a, a mobile prayer meeting. God, set up 24-7 prayer in my heart, in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's wherever we choose to minister to him, to bind to him, to ascend the mountain of the Lord. Just take just a a few more moments. In um, 1 Kings um, 17, you don't need to turn there, but it's a story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Do you know the story when um, she's in famine and she's only got a little bit of bread and oil And Elijah says, make me a cake. And she says, I I don't have enough even for myself and my son. And Elijah makes this declaration. He says, "Um, this jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. He makes this declaration and it happens. Who thinks that's pretty powerful? Who thinks that if someone came into your house this afternoon and says, thus saith the Lord... In the next 24 hours, you will be mortgage free or whatever else your need is. And it happened. Who thinks you would think that is a man of God? Do you know she, she never actually called him a man of God at that point? But then there came a moment when her son died. And it says Elijah took the boy into the upper room, laid him out and cried out to God and prayed. And the boy came back to life again. And the woman said, now I know that you're a man of God. She did not know that he was a man of God by his declarations or by his miracles. She knew that he was a man of God when he prayed. Could it be that that is what separates true those that truly belong to God and those that don't? It's by how they pray. I want to, anyone else want to be someone that when you pray, people know that's a man of God, that's a woman of God, that's someone that touches heaven. This is not to guilt us, this is to stir us to come up higher. The great Leonard Ravenhill said this No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. Ouch. The people who are not praying are straying. You can say, ouch. We are many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Just want to read you, um, if I can find it. It's a powerful testimony. Um, Brooklyn Tabernacle. When Pastor Jim... um, Kimbala took over as pastor of this church. It was a dwindling congregation of 20 members meeting in a run-down, ageing building in the heart of the inner city. As the neighbourhood declined in value, street gangs and prostitutes began to move in. Uh, Few were willing to drive through this dangerous area to attend church. Um, So the church began to die, slowly but surely. After pastoring for two years in frustration, Jim announced to his congregation one Sunday that he was turning the leadership of the church over to the Holy Spirit. He he implemented a weekly prayer meeting. He said, from this day on, the prayer meeting will be, be the barometer of our church. What happens in the prayer meeting will be the gauge by which we will judge success or failure because that will be the measure by which God blesses us. If we call upon the Lord as he has promised to answer, he will bring in the unsaved and he will pour out his spirit among us. Um, No matter what I preach or what we claim to believe, the future will depend upon our times of prayer. Each week they met together with one purpose, to plead for the Holy Spirit. This simple act of faith and commitment has made that church one of the greatest evangelistic success stories of our time. Today, the, the church hosts tens of thousands of people. Many of whom are former gang members, prostitutes and drug addicts who have been saved from lives of hopelessness. Wow, can someone say amen? I wonder if the worship team can come back up. Um, I, I want to close with, with this and then we're going to go back into worship, we're going to pray but it says there, with joy I will bring them into my house of prayer, everyone say joy I'll be honest with you, I've been in some prayer meetings that dry anyone else? I've had some times of prayer that are dry, I've had some prayer times that are a that are struggle I've found some, I, I've been in some prayer meetings, let's be honest that are boring But God says the characteristic of a house of prayer is joy. How do we make prayer joyful and not a duty? Says this in Song of Songs in the Passion. As you yield everything to this furious fire, it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. In other words, when there is fire in our hearts, what would be a duty is now a delight. How many times have we thought, oh, I've got to pray. I've got to go to the prayer meeting. I've got to to worship. I've got to read the word. When there is fire burning in our hearts, that which would be a sacrifice suddenly becomes a delight. It says of Jacob that he worked 14 years for Rebecca, but it says because of his love for her, it seemed like just a few days. When you are in love, everything becomes easier. And my prayer today is that we would fall in love with Jesus, that we would turn in and gaze into the one whose eyes blaze like fire and say, God, let that fire burning me. God let my heart be captivated and captured by a love and a passion and a zeal for Jesus like never before.